This morning we'll be in Genesis chapter 28. We'll be looking at verses 10 through about 22. What we're going to be talking about this morning is that we'll be transitioning from the story of Isaac now, mostly to focus on the story of his younger son, Jacob, and what becomes of him. Jacob's story is going to be a little different than Isaac's. As we saw last week, what happened was uh, Rebekah kind of concocted this plan, which was very needful because Esau was going to kill Jacob because he stole his blessing. And so she wanted to send Jacob into the land of her, of her people, into the land of their fathers, to her brother Laban's house, so that Jacob would receive or find a wife there under the pretense that Esau's wives were driving them crazy. They didn't want to have any more of the Hittite women to be um, their daughters-in-law. And Esau, hearing this, realizing that his wives sort of drove his parents crazy, went ahead and took him another wife from Ishmael. And so Isaac blessed Jacob and sends him off. And again, it's a little bit different because if you'll recall, when Isaac married Rebekah, Abraham sent his servant, right, and gave him an entire caravan, sent him with gold and jewels and uh, gave gifts to the people and they brought them back. But apparently Jacob goes off all by himself. And so let's begin reading in chapter 10. And remember... uh, This is quite the journey. This is 550 miles Jacob is going to have to go through the desert. So that's about from here uh, to Charlottesville, Virginia. As you all know the way to Charlottesville, right? See, Jacob had never been to this place in his life. So if uh, I just gave you like a a jug of water and some some spending money, could you make your way on foot from here to Charlottesville, Virginia? And you have roads. He had nothing. There was not even a gas station on the way to, not that he would have stopped and asked directions, but he must have been quite the survivalist and outdoorsman because he makes it 550 miles to his people's place. Let me begin reading verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and on the top of it it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie will give to you and to your offspring. To the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, 
Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give to me, I will give you a full tenth. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we look at this story of Jacob, I pray that we will learn from our forefather in the faith, Jacob, what to do, what not to do. And I pray that what happens to him here will be an encouragement to us to know that you have ever and always dealt the same with your people. You've always been kind, long-suffering, and that wherever they've went, you've gone with them. Lord, be with us this morning and help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jacob takes off for 550 miles through the desert to go to a place where he's never been to hang out with the people he's never seen in order to find for himself a wife. (laughs) Now look, don't let that go by you like that's not a big deal. Because that is a big deal. Uh, First of all, most of us went to school with like, if we were in Albertville or around here somewhere, you went to school with, what, 1,000 kids almost? And, and, and it took a lot of us a lot of time to find. I couldn't even find a wife there. I had to go down to Baton Rouge to get mine. That was a big deal. Like He's like, okay, son, time for you to get married. Walk 550 miles through the desert to our family's ancestral lands. And when you get there, find yourself a wife and then come on home. That's a lot of pressure. First of all, I'd be like, well, that sounds like a great deal. I'm not even sure if I can get there. What's it like there? How many people live there? I don't know. But that's what Jacob did. So he is under stress, I would say. And not to mention that, he's like, Mom, I don't want to go. And she's like, Son, you've got to go. Esau is going to kill you if you stay. So it's a pretty good incentive to get out. So he goes and he comes to, as the Bible says here, a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Now, there's a couple of things that go on in this text here that's supposed to remind us of things that have gone before. These are repetitions. Remember, I'm talking about, we're pointing out the themes that pop up in Genesis, and one of the things that pops up is everything keeps happening the same over and over him again. Abraham gives away his wife. Isaac gives away his his wife. Abraham has a uh, meeting... I mean, they get them back, in case you hadn't been here. They did give away their wives, but they did get them back by the providence of God. He saved them. So uh, those sorts of things are repeating themselves. And here we have this journey back home to get a wife and come back. It's the same thing that had happened with Isaac. And there's some other stuff here in this text that pops up to remind us of things that have gone on before. This dream that God gives to Jacob is very similar to the same introduction he gives to himself Uh, gives of himself to both Abraham and Isaac. Remember, Abraham goes outside in the desert and he's sitting under the stars and the Lord says, I am your shield, I am your great reward. I will make your offspring like the sands on the seashore. I will make your children like the stars in the sky and I will be with you. And he gives him a vision in the night after he makes the sacrifice and cuts the, the, the calf in two and he sees God coming between the two pieces like a smoking pot and a, and a fiery torch. Abraham did not go through the the cut-in-half cow with him because he made no promises. There was no obligation to Abraham. God himself said, I will bless you. He put it on his own name. And then he comes to Isaac later and says, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac. And Abraham kept my laws and my statutes and my commands. And I'm going to bless you. And I am going to multiply your seed. And everyone who blesses you will be blessed. And everyone who curses you will be cursed. And now Jacob has a very similar dream to what Abraham had. 
it reminds us that God not only blessed Abraham, but he told him. Remember, he said, know this for certain, your children are going to go into bondage and wander outside the land for 400 years. But at the end of that time, I will bring them back. And here he tells to Jacob, know that you're going to go into a land of wandering, but in the end, I will bring you back. He's saying the same things over and over to these people. And another thing that should remind us of what went on earlier is in Genesis chapter 11. As Jacob sleeps, he sees a stairway or a ladder that extends into heaven. It's an interesting picture, isn't it? He sees this ladder, and and angels are descending and ascending upon it. It's a ladder that reaches all the way to heaven. And God is at the top of this ladder, and he is speaking to Jacob as he is commanding the angels to go to and fro throughout the earth. And that should remind us of Genesis 11. Remember when the people got together in Genesis chapter 11 at the Tower of Babel, they said, hey, what was their big idea? We're going to build for ourselves this tower that goes up into heaven so that we might make a name for ourselves and we won't be scattered throughout the earth. There was no need for a tower to stretch into heaven, for heaven and earth were already together. God was already sending angels to ascend and descend upon his ladder so that uh, his angels could take care of those who are on earth, so he could have oversight of the things of the earth. So these should remind us that through man's effort to get to God, they failed. Remember, they tried to get to God through the Tower of Babel, tried not to be scattered. God came and confused their language scattered them all over the earth. And here Jacob sees that God himself builds the ladder from heaven to earth. We cannot get there in our effort. God must come down to us. So Jacob sees this. Sees this stairway that leads up into heaven. And God begins to make him some great promises. Why did he have to do this? If you'll remember just last week we saw that Isaac blessed him. Remember? Isaac said, I'm going to bless you. You will be blessed. Have the grain. Have the wine. Everyone who blesses you will be blessed. And everyone who curses you will be cursed. So why does God come to Isaac and say the same thing? I'm Excuse me. Come to Jacob and say the same thing to him that Isaac said. It's my prayer every single Sunday morning when I get up here and preach. It's one thing for me to tell you that you are the beloved of God. That if we repent that we will have everlasting life. That no matter where you go, God will be with you. It's one thing for me to say it. It's another thing for God to confirm it in your heart. So it is always my prayer as I preach through the word of God. For the things that I say from the word of God. That the spirit of God enrich those words that he goes out with those words. That he confirms in your heart the words which I say. And that is what is happening here with Jacob. Because think about it. How did he get the blessing? He stole it, right? That's how he feels. I dressed up like Esau. I wore some goat skin. I went there and said, hey, eat some of this tasty stew I made for you, Dad. And he goes, who are you, son? He's like, I'm Esau, your son. And he tricked him. And now he's having to run for his life, go 550 miles through the desert because of his trick. He probably doesn't feel extremely a lot like God is with him or that he's blessed him. And so God comes and says and confirms the words of Isaac. Remember, Esau's crying. And Jacob say, and Isaac says, Son, I have blessed him, and he will be blessed. And God comes here and says to him, Hey, I am going to bless you. I, whoever you have, Whoever blesses you will be blessed, and whoever curses you will be cursed. And Jacob makes a little bit of a mistake here. And I want you to see this. When Jacob hears 
and sees God speaking to him from the stairway of heaven, he says, this place is awesome. Look what he says in verse 16. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. He missed what God had said to him, and I don't want you to miss it. It's very important. He freaks out a little bit, and I don't blame him, because if I went to sleep tonight at my house and God showed up in a vision, I saw angels going up and down a stairwell to heaven, I might be like, what? I... Remember that time Peter is up on the Mount of Transfiguration, him and James and John, and Jesus walks up there, and all of a sudden, like, poof. The glory comes out. And Peter's description in Mark is his, his clothes were whiter than any person could launder them. And when Peter sees Jesus transfigured on heaven, it says he speaks and he doesn't know what he's saying. He goes, Jesus, this is great. We should build a tabernacle here for you and Elijah and Moses. And God cuts him off and is like, this is my son. Just do what he says. I think that Jacob's having one of these moments. He sees God, and he's like, this place is awesome. I'm going to put this stone here, and I'm going to put some oil on it because it's great. But it's a mistake, a little bit of a mistake. The entire point of God coming to him and speaking to him is this. Wherever you go, I'll be with you. Look what the narrator has said of this place in verse 11. He came to a certain place, and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. The narrator is telling us there's nothing special about this spot. It just so happened to be where he stopped. And that's where God revealed himself to him. And God says in verse 15, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Does that remind you of anything else you've ever heard? God's, like I said, these themes keep repeating themselves over and over again. Matthew 28, 20. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. These are the words he said. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jacob thought that this place, Bethel, was special. It becomes special. It is a special place. I'm not saying that. It is neat to mark the spot where God had come and given him this dream. But the entire point of him coming and showing him that angels were descending and ascending from heaven was this. I am everywhere, son. And wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. Somebody blesses you, I'm going to bless them. Somebody curses you, I'm going to curse them. You're my son. And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now, we, re- we need to remember that. I thought about this as I was preparing this sermon today. I was thinking about our four brothers who are heading off to Africa. <laughs> That's a big place. Africa is not a country it is a continent we have a couple here who can testify to that very thing it's a continent I'm not telling you specifically where they're going because this goes out on to who knows where I can't tell you where they're going because it's not legal to be Christians there it's not legal for people to convert to Christianity there they're going to a place where no one of the thousands and thousands tens of thousands of people live there not one of them are believers no one. We have other opportunities for missions like that as well. We, have, we just recently went up to uh, Minneapolis where, where a man is working in an in a area of Minneapolis they call Little Mogadishu. 30,000 Somalians live there. It's the second largest Somalian population in the world. Largest population outside of Somalia itself. No one knows Jesus there. 
is living there among them trying to spread the gospel. 99.9% of those people don't know Jesus. What does that have to do with this? It has to, everything to do with this. Because if you go there, brothers, you might be tempted like Abraham when he went into the land of Abimelech and said, there's no fear of God in this place. Or we might go there and think, God is not here, but he is there. He was in the middle of the desert and he met Jacob there and he will meet our brothers there in the desert too and you will see him and his power and he will be lifted up. He will lift up the name of Jesus and those people one day where there are no believers there may be hundreds or thousands of them because Jesus has promised us that every single tongue and every single tribe and every single nation will give him glory at the throne of God. It is not if they will be converted, it is only a matter of when. Because God is there. And he will go with you wherever you go. He will never leave nor forsake us. We will find that as his faithfulness has been to Jacob, so will his faithfulness be to us. Jacob is not special in the sense that he has some superpower or something about himself that caused God to love him more than everybody else in his person. We don't have anything special either. The reason that God loved Jacob is because God chose to pour out his mercy and love on Jacob. And the reason he loves you, and this is good news this morning, is because he has chosen to do it. He has given his love to you as a free gift. You did nothing to earn it. And therefore you can do nothing to lose it. That's the good news. He has loved you out of his free grace and love. And wherever you go and whatever you do, he will be with you. Later in Genesis chapter 35, Jacob is going to return to Bethel at the word of the Lord. That's what he names this place, Bethel. Beth means house, El means Elohim. This is house of God. That's what he names this place. And God says, go back to Bethel and set up camp basically. And when Jacob returns, he will bless this place and he will fulfill his vow to the Lord and he will say this. He will not say this place is the gate of heaven or anything like that. He will say, I am blessed today because wherever I have went, behold, the Lord has gone with me and he has brought me back to this place as he said he would and he will be faithful to you too. This is the point of the Old Testament. It's for us to read the stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and not look at them as some people we put up on a pedestal like, wow, I wish God would be that way for me. No, the entire point is to realize that by faith we are the sons and daughters of Abraham and that every single promise of God that was made to them, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is yes and amen in Jesus for us. These promises, behold, I'm with you. Wherever you go, Jesus says, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is your promise, even if you should find yourself in what you might think is a God-forsaken land in the middle of the desert. God Almighty is there. I love that name, God Almighty. That's what he told Abraham. I am God Almighty. Walk with me and keep my ways. He will be there with you as he is there with Jacob in our story. Even though Jacob didn't know it, Jacob's like a baby believer. <laughs> he, he, he is just, he's never seen anything like this before. These things had happened to his fathers and forefathers before him, but this was his first experience. He makes a little bargain. He can't help himself. He's Jacob. He made a vow. He's saying, Lord, if you'll be with me, and if you'll keep me, 
And if you'll give me bread and clothing to wear, and that's a big deal. He's wandering around the desert. So that I come again to my father's house in peace. Lord, if you'll be with me, if you'll get me all the way to Haran, if you'll take care of me and give me clothes and give me bread, if you'll get me back home again, then you'll be my God. And this stone which I have set up with a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give to me, I will give you a tent. I don't think that Jacob was bargaining like trying to get something from God. I think this is the prayer of a desperate man. Please go with me. Please help me. If you do, I will serve you all the days of my life. I will give you a tenth of all that I have. I will build you a house here. Please, Lord, just go with me. Jacob must have felt very isolated and alone. And he was trying to hope that God would go with him. He didn't need to do this. He didn't need to do this in the sense that whether or not he did this is dependent upon whether or not God. God was not like, oh, you're going to give me a tenth of all that you've got? Wow. If you've got 200 goats, which I gave you, you're going to give me 20 of them? That's amazing. I should probably go with you. I don't know if I'm going to get a better deal from anybody else out here in the desert. You seriously think God cares about that? But don't we try to bargain with God as Jacob did? Or not bargain in the sense that we're trying to get something out of God, though we might do that. It's like, Lord, if you'll just do this, I'll do this. Instead, we should just rest in the precious promise that wherever we are, God is with us. Through the dark valleys, through the high mountains, through the highs and the lows, God is with us always, even to the end of the age. It's a great, great promise. Ask yourself again and think about this. What did Jacob do for God to love him so much that he blessed him, that, that we know about him to this very day, that he made a great nation out of him, that later he would not say, he would say, no longer shall you be called Deceiver, Jacob, but your name shall be Israel. What did he deserve to, to merit such love and long suffering and kindness from God? What did you do? What have you done that God should love you, O oh, man of the dust? We have rebelled against God. We, creatures of the dust, have rebelled against God Almighty. And yet he has extended his love and grace and favor to you. What have you done that God should love you in a way that he loved Jacob? Same thing Jacob did. Nothing. Why did God choose Jacob over Esau? He did it because of his good pleasure. Not because of any good that either of the boys had done. Even when they were in the womb and had not yet done one good thing, whether good or evil, the Lord said to Rebekah, The younger shall serve the older. So that we might know that it does not depend upon our works or our will or our family pedigree or whether we are the youngest or the oldest or whether we are the best or the worst. It is because of God's grace, pure and unmerited, given to Jacob and now to you. And that when he treats you like this, you are not stepchildren of, of uh, Abraham and Isaac as if you would be uh, unloved or unwanted, you are adopted children. I'm not saying stepchildren are unloved or unwanted. What I'm saying is that we are full members of the family, 100%. There is no disconnect. When you sit at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, you can call him dad, he'll call you son. 
You can call him dad, he'll call you daughter. Just like Jacob, just like Isaac, just like Sarah, just like Rebecca, every single one of us will sit at that table as equals. And every single one of us will praise God that everywhere we went, God went there with us. One day I'm going to be old maybe. I might not, but let's just pretend. (laughs) I will be old and I will die. And before I die, the Bible is true. This will be my testimony. Wherever I have gone and whatever I have done, the Lord my God, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob has been with me every step of the way. Not because of any good that I have done, but because of the good that he willed toward me out of his free grace. Don't try to work for God's love. You already have it. Work from God's love. We do good not so that God will love us. He is not a demanding father. If you do this, I will praise you. If you don't do this, I will not love you. He is a God who loves us always. So we don't work for his affection. We do it because we have it. We are free. Sinners free by love. Oh, Jacob, the deceiver, the heel grabber. (laughs) That's a great name. Jacob, the heel grabber. Of course, his brother's name was Harry Man, so he might have got the better, the two. Jacob, the heel snatcher in the middle of the desert, a rock for a pillow, y'all. Rock for a pillow. Got there because it got dark. Laid his head on a stone, and the Lord God showed up and said, I will be with you wherever you go. I don't know that you'll ever see a moment in your life, maybe as low as Jacob felt at that moment. But if you do, God will be with you. Trust him. As Matt read today, this is a vision of stairway connecting heaven and earth. A few thousand years later, there's a guy named Nathaniel sitting under a fig tree praying. And his buddy, Andrew, I believe it was, comes to Nathaniel and says, Hey, bro, we've met the Messiah. He's from Nazareth. Nathaniel says, Could anything good come from Nazareth? And so off they go to meet Jesus. He comes up to Jesus and says, and Jesus says to him, oh, now here is an Israelite. He's speaking like he's from Alabama because that's how Jesus talks in my head. Oh, now here is a Jew in whom there is no guile. And he says, whoa, you're the Messiah, son of God. Hey, oh, hey, and before you came, I saw you under the fig tree, is what Jesus said. And he said, whoa, you're the son of God. And he says, you say I'm the son of God because I said I saw you before under the fig tree? You'll see greater things than this. And listen to what Jesus says. You will see heaven open and the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He quotes from this passage. Why did Jesus say that to Nathaniel, the Israelite of Israelites? Because he knew what he would be saying. Jesus is saying this. I am Jacob's ladder. I am the stairway from heaven to earth. He is the connection from the throne room of God to the living room of your house. 
Jesus is Jacob's ladder. He is the way by which we ascend into heaven. You will not build for yourself a tower from earth to heaven to get there. Heaven had to descend to earth in the form of the Son of God that we might be saved. And He is the same one who has promised that wherever we go, He will always be with us. This morning, listen to me. If you want to ascend into heaven and sit at the right hand of the majesty of God, the only stairway to get there is through Jacob's ladder, Jesus Christ. Go to Him today. Come to Jesus, and he will take you all the way home to the Father. He will never leave you or forsake you. Repent of your rebellion against him, for we were very foolish to do so. And trust him, and you will find in him forgiveness and love forever. Let's pray. Father, we ask this morning that you will be with us and help us. We are a poor people, Lord. Clothed in our own righteousness, we have nothing to offer to you. We have nothing but filthy rags. And yet you, like the father of the prodigal son, run to us. Will not allow us to say, let us be your servants, or as one of your servants, but rather you make us full heirs. Put a ring on our finger and a robe on our back and kill the fatted calf for us. You are a good father. Thank you for sending to us your only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Lord, be with us. Encourage us with these words. Let us remember like Jacob, wherever we go, you will be with us. And from the love which you have shown to us out of your free mercy, out of your pity and grace, let us serve you from that, knowing that the world is ours, not because we merit it, but because you have freely given to us all things in Jesus. Lord, you are good. Bless us this morning and keep us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'll please stand. We're gonna... <coughs> if you do not know Christ this morning, call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. You can ascend the ladder to heaven. The ladder that Jacob saw. The same ladder that he ascended. You believe on the Lord Jesus this morning. Repent of your sin. You'll be saved. If you don't have a church home, you're interested in joining us as we, after the service, I'll be glad to speak with you about that. As we sing, this is our opportunity to think about the things which we have heard from God's word. Rock of ages, left for me, let me hide myself in thee. Not the lady.